Friends, the Elegant Excellence Journal is coming back in 2023, and I am so excited about the changes we have made for you this year. Some you have asked for for quite a while, and some you didn't even know to ask for, but I know you are going to love. So get on the waitlist today at elegantexcellencejournal.com, and I will put that link in the description below. If you aren't already one of our thousands of users over the years, the Elegant Excellence Journal is a guided journal you can use daily or less, that supports you in vision casting your life, setting and achieving your goals, learning more about yourself, and most importantly, being in regular conversation with yourself to self-coach, adjust, celebrate, process, and become more peaceful in your life and more proud of who you are and what you're making happen. So be the first to know in the new year when you get on the VIP list at the link below or elegantexcellencejournal.com. You're welcome. What was that? You're welcome. With Hillary Rushford. Say it again. You're welcome. In advance. Hello, lovely. Welcome to a three-part series on decision-making. We started off last week with episode one, which if you haven't listened to, you might want to start there. But we talked about how decision-making is basically what being human is. Like all day, every day, we are making decisions and they can become exhausting. And last week, we talked about zooming out a little bit from the micro daily to-do list or the confidence that we know exactly where something's going to lead or that we have all of the answers and thinking a bit about the magic and the God, the fate, the providence, the humility and almost the whimsy that that brings to start to think about that in your life. And I talked about the delightful and fun example of the serendipitous union with our new little kitten, but we then use that to really look at what are the bigger implications at play in the more complex and really big life decisions that end up ultimately having something to do with destiny and connection and those things that we can't see. Today, what I want to talk about is how exhausting decision-making can be, especially when you are in certain seasons, like you are dating. Should I go on this date? Do I want to go on this date? Do I want to be on the apps? Do I not want to be on the apps? How much time do I want to invest in this? Should we go on the first date? Should we go on the second date? Should we keep dating? Do I like them? Dating is exhausting. I would imagine having kids. There are so many decisions. I mean, first off, do we want to have kids? Do we want to have another kid? If this isn't happening, do we want to go to fertility treatments? Do we want to consider adoption? What are we going to decide for our kids? Should they eat this? Should this be their education? A zillion little things. In entrepreneurship, oh my goodness, so many decisions all the time. What marketing platform should we be on? What revenue stream should we create? How do we find more clients? How do we sell more clients. If you are pursuing any sort of a dream, so many decisions about what the best path is. Should I work with this coach? Should I move to this place? Should I invest in this training? Buying a house, moving to a new city, trying to heal your body. Should I be going to this doctor or that one? Should I be doing this program or that? Trying to heal your mind. Should I be seeing this therapist? Should I be on medication? Or 
even thinking about any of those seasons. You're not even in that season yet, but you are already trying to decide, do I want to date once I get past this divorce? Do I want kids? Would I want to start a business? Should I pursue that dream? What would I do if I was buying a house? Would we ever move cities? When this busy season is over, do I want to heal my my body? Gosh, it would be cool eventually if I could do that to heal my mind. So often we're even just thinking about them. And I realized that As I said last week, my best friend and I, so often what we are talking about is decisions, making decisions. What decision should we make? Did we make it a good decision? What's the criteria that goes into our decisions? And we're bouncing ideas back and forth with whatever we are processing that week. And ultimately, all of them are about decisions. How did we feel about that? Do we want to speak up about that? Should we talk to this friend about this? Should we let this go? Should we reach out to this person? Should we not? And we are both in seasons or I would even say lifestyles, because some of those examples I just listed, they never end. If you're a creative, if you're an entrepreneur, if you don't think you have a forever home, you may be frequently making these decisions. Is it time to move on to the next home? Is it time to move on to the next marketing platform or revenue stream? Should I now pursue this next goal? Again, with the kids, you're constantly making decisions. It can just be a lifestyle where you are daily debating so many decisions. So she will have one that is so granular, like, do I skip my class so I can take the earlier flight to give myself more time ahead of that talk I'm giving? Or no, should I make sure to prioritize class because I committed to it, I paid for it, but I really want to do well on this speech. I don't want to be rushed. Like the back and forth that we do trying to decide whether to take a flight at 3 p.m. or 9 p.m. It's a six-hour difference, but we're going to waffle back and forth over it. Or I'll have a big one, like which marketing or revenue stream should I stop because I clearly have too much on my plate. Something has got to go, but it doesn't really feel like anything can. So how am I going to weigh the pros and cons of figuring out what to take off my plate and believing that what is left will be enough, enough for the traffic, enough for the revenue, enough for the team, enough for the goals. She'll have a big one, like, should I live in LA or London? And in the last year or so, I've had some big decisions in my life that I keep coming back to one phrase that I have been telling myself. There is a pro and con to everything, and sometimes it is 51 to 49. So often, when I am rolling an idea around, what I'm really looking to get to is a hell yes, a total peace, confidence that like, yes, that is the right decision. I have such peace and confidence in my gut. I really know it. I'm not, I don't think I'm going to regret it later. I'm not going to second guess it. It's just a yes, like hit, you know, check, hit, go, we're here. And I'm having to accept that in some of these decisions I've been wrestling with, I'm just never going to get there. I'm not going to get to that anchored This is clean. It's just a clean, clear, easy decision. There are too many pros on both sides for it to ever feel like peace walking away from one of them. And what I'm really wanting to do as I waffle back and forth on these decisions and I try to look at it from new angles and I try to consider new things and I research and I this and I that, what I'm wanting to do is avoid pain. I'm wanting for the choice to be simple, easy, and obvious so that I don't feel any pain, any regret, any pangs of longing. I'm wanting it to just be perfect. But again, there are too many pros on both sides for it to ever feel like peace, total clear peace, to walk away from one of them. 
which is what happens, that total clear piece, when something is 99 to 1. Because there is a pro and a con to everything. I used the example last week that the the con of having a cat is sometimes they are going to pick at the furniture a little bit. But that con feels so unimportant to me when I consider how magical and how much I love this cat now. But previously, I would have been like, oh yeah, I don't think I would like that. But when the pros really outweigh the cons, then the decisions feel easier and clearer and we release the the pros on the other side. The pro of that side would be my very expensive couch from Anthropology looks immaculate. Now that is important to me because it is a very expensive couch from Anthropology, but I have so much love now for this cat. That pro is so much more important to me than the couch. In marriage, for example, the the pro that you were losing out on on the other side, which means it's a con in this column, might be the the buzz of the first kiss and that first flush of falling in love. And it is like such a magical time. And it sounds, it's, I was going to say, it makes me sound like an old married lady. And then I was like, why am I going to say that? That's a horrible phrase. Why do we say that? But I do have that feeling now where I watch movies and I have that sense of like, oh, remember what it was like to be in love. Like, you know, that new flush of love, not that we're not in love now, but it just is that different feeling. It's magical. But that pro pales in comparison to the pros of marriage for me, of having a lifelong partner, of knowing someone better, of building something with someone, of having a life with someone. So it was not a debate for me when I considered getting married. I wasn't torn in the way that I am with some of these other life decisions where I'm like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to lose the pros on that side. Never for a minute did I think, but I don't want to lose the pro of getting to fall in love again. Like, I just knew, no, when you meet the person, that for me is going to be so much better. But what if you aren't so into monogamy? What if that's not so appealing to you? And actually, like, the falling in love part and the dating, like, you feel like that's really fun. I have a friend who that completely describes. And to me, I think, how could you not want a lifelong partner? Like, why why does that not sound great to you, you know? In my mind, I think... So ever, so this person you're telling me about right now that you're dating, it's going to end eventually because you don't really believe in long-term monogamy? Like, what's the point? Doesn't that feel like a lot of effort to just end? Doesn't that feel depressing that you know it's going to end? But that's because my definition of pros and cons are different than his. And so to me, like, those would not be pros. But to him, they are pros. And I said last week, we are not great as humans, or at least in our American Western culture that I have had the uh, experience of living in, we are not great at the gray area. We love black and white. We love clean, clear answers because there's going to be no regret. There is no exhaustion at deliberating, no second guessing, no being wrong. We know what's right. It is easy and clear, and therefore we feel confident in it. We feel confident in the choice that we made, and that feels like a great feeling. Because feeling insecure in our choices doesn't feel great. We would love to feel confident. So last week I mentioned that my Do I Want Kids or Not episode, which I will put again in the description below of the show notes here, the reason it has been so hard for me to decide whether or not we want to have kids is because it's felt like a very 51-49. And again, I'm not getting into like specific percentages here, but just saying it feels close. Some of you may listen to that episode and be like, I don't get it. I am a 99 to 1. I have dreamt of kids my whole life. That is all I ever wanted. And they have like 
totally exceeded all of my expectations. I don't understand how anybody could not want to have a million kids. Others of you, you dreamt of kids your whole life. And then once you got them, you may have felt like, hmm, there's actually more cons than I realized. And then that can bring pain. And that happens a lot to, to people in life. That's why we have divorce or affairs we regret or failed businesses. We made a decision thinking, oh, the pros so outweigh the cons on this one. I'm going to get married. I'm going to have this affair. I'm going to start this business. And then once we got into it, we realize, oh, there were a lot of cons that I didn't see. There was a lot of pros on the other side. There, there's a, there would have been a better choice for me to make. And it's not something to be ashamed of because we just can't always know the way it's going to feel or unfold until we're in it. And you know, I say that, let me like back up for a second because I throw like through affairs in there. I would actually say that one, like we know historically that's not going to go well. But obviously marriages, are we still in the ballpark of 50% of marriages end in divorce? So obviously we don't all know because then we also have really successful marriages. Just like we also, I think maybe 50% of businesses fail, but we have really successful businesses. And we also have people that were grateful they were married, even though it ended in divorce or grateful that it had a business, even though it failed. Or I'm sure if you were like, there are more cons to having kids than I realized. I don't really want to talk about it because um, I don't want my kids to feel like that. And like, this just is my life. And I don't really want to talk about how I don't feel great about my choices. But I imagine there are also so many pros. And that in truth, it's complicated. You can see the pros and the cons. But an aha that I had recently on that, you know, uh, people will say to a mom, I heard uh, someone ask an influencer this recently. They were like, don't you miss being able to travel now that you have a kid or two kids, or they ask like, what do you miss most about your single life? And when I saw her get asked that, it was rolling around in my head and I realized that person who is asking is presumably is single. So they're looking all the pros of their, I shouldn't say they're single, they don't have children. So they're looking all the pros of their life. They're looking at all of the cons of what they would have to give up to have children. But this influencer who has two children, she's focused on the pros and she knows she had to make a choice because I remember years ago her sharing that they were trying to decide if they were going to have kids, if it was the right time or whatever. So she knew she had to make a choice, don't have kids or have kids. She could not get both. And so she subconsciously or consciously listed out the pros and cons and this path with children had more pros. But that doesn't mean there weren't cons. That in essence, every con to having children is that what you are giving up is the pro in the other column of not having children. And that helped me with this kid decision a lot because I've been sitting with either way, I will have regrets. Either way, I will have to give up a pro. Either way, I will have to accept a con or some pros or some cons. And we don't want to admit that, acknowledge it, accept it. And so I think that's why we have this very black and white thinking because we tend to say, I want to tell myself I am so happy in the choice I made that I just want to completely ignore any pros on the other side because I don't want to sit in that tension and that reality that there really are big pros on the other side. But when things are 5149, you really can't ignore that. 
And sometimes, again, there aren't those cons. Like, am I missing out on the flush of a new crush being married? I mean, technically, yes. Do I feel regret or loss about that? No, because this was a 99 to 1. It never crosses my mind. But the things that are 51-49 for us that are a really tough decision, I think we probably will feel those pangs of, there's a pro over there that I had to say goodbye to because I had to choose one or the other. It was a binary choice. You can either have kids or you cannot have kids. You cannot be one foot in, one foot out. And I told my friend about moving in her case that I think there are such pros in her scenario to living in LA or London that either way, she's going to feel the cons when she moves one place. She's going to be like, you know, it would be great to live near my parents. You know, it would be great to live near Europe. You know, it would be great. And so I said to her, I think you just have to pick because she was going to kind of cram in trips to both and it just, it wasn't working. And I said, I think in this short period of time to live in both isn't really going to give you the answer that you want. I think you actually have to go. You have to do the thing. You have to live the experience to know. And I also think you probably already know. You probably have, in her case, enough experience to know what the real pros and cons are. Like, for example, my friend Anna lives in Paris, and she frequently is talking on her Instagram stories about the, the pros and the cons of living in Paris. She's an American who moved over to there. The pros for her so outweigh the cons. But she also knows the cons, and so anyone who is following her on Instagram who's considering a move to Paris should be very well aware of the cons. Could someone else just pop up in Paris having no idea and make themselves miserable? Yes. But what I'm talking about, because these are the conversations that I have in my DMs, we usually are. We're looking into things. We're investigating. We're doing the research. We're talking to the people. We're reading the articles. We've got the data. And so more debating and research isn't going to move the needle from 51.49 to 75.25. Like, it is a dead heat pretty much. And you're just going to have to pick from there. And that is so hard to do. And she is there. I am there around other areas of my life, not referring to children, but there's other things that I am so in that place with. But a phrase that I repeat a lot to this community and my students is, just because it's hard doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. And I can't tell you how much that has helped me personally with the things that I've been debating to keep reminding myself. Just because it gets hard doesn't mean you're doing anything wrong. There are pros and cons to everything. You are not going to get to 99 to 1 on this decision. So stop trying to. Stop waiting until you are at 99 to 1 or 75 to 25. Stop feeling anxious that you aren't and thinking something is wrong. Thinking that more analyzing and research, you're going to be able to force it to one way or the other. Sit with what is. This is what is. And celebrate that you love a lot of things. There are a lot of pros. That's the reason that you're having this problem. If you were trying to decide between whether to move to London or like podunk town that you're miserable in, then there's, there's very few pros if you're describing it as the podunk town I'm miserable in. The whole point is that you're like, I love things about this and I love things about this. I love a lot of things. Can I reframe that to be so grateful? And can I say to myself, I have an abundance. I have an abundance of pros in front of me. I have an abundance of joy and goodness available to me. And it is breaking my heart to have to walk away from one of them. 
But I have to accept the trade-off, that I can't have both. There are two really good options, and you have to pick one or you get neither. We see this binary choice made at the end of like a Bachelor or a Bachelorette show, which I stopped watching, but you know, I still get the premise. You've got to make that choice. And sometimes when I used to watch it, you would see someone like waffling over and it sort of almost feels like, well, you can't really love one that much, right? Like no one really wants to be proposed to when it was 51-49 and they were having such a hard time deciding, right? You want to be like, it was 99 to 1. It was Jeremy or no one. Like there wasn't, I wasn't split on who else it was going to be. But when it comes down to, we love our family with two kids, but we could see our family with three kids. Both of those are good options. Like we love the idea of having a family of three, but then we'd have more money to spend on our kids if it was two. Like Whatever, both of these business ideas, both of these career passions, both of these revenue streams, they're really good options. I've run through both of them. I just coached someone in my mastermind through this the other day who had three things. And I tried to ask her all these questions like, what was giving her the most revenue? What was taking the most time? What was bringing her the most joy? And ultimately, it was like dead heat on all of them. Like, they can all make money. They can all be low time. They all bring me joy. And so I just said, okay, you are blessed then that you have an abundance of options. And now you have to pick one. And you have to stop wishing for clarity. You have to accept that you have abundance and then choose. So again, there is a big choice in my life, not about kids, but something else that I am choosing. And I don't have total peace about it. And I have been trying to choose this thing for like a couple of years. And I'm getting choked up about it because for anyone who hasn't been able to decide... It can start to feel really heavy to be like, I just, I wish that I was confident in it. I wish that I was clear. And I share that, and I'm not editing this part out, because I want to validate when you're like, I just, I, I'm jealous of the person that just knows. I'm jealous of the person that has that clarity that's 99 to 1. But I would imagine there are some areas in your life where you you do or have had that clarity. Like I had it with my husband. I had it with starting my business or, you know, like I've had it in different times. I had it about moving to New York City. So there's probably times in your life you've had it. You're just not having it right now. And you might be looking at someone else who has it in this area and wishing you had their peace and clarity, but they haven't had it in some other area. Because I think all of us wrestle with this in different ways. And what I keep sitting with is, I don't have peace about it. I don't have peace about it, but I'm choosing it anyway. I'm choosing it anyway because I know that it is time to choose. And this conversation is one that I have with myself again and again because I continue to mourn the losses of one choice because I know that I can't have both. And another angle to throw on this is that Maybe you are choosing by not choosing. So you're staying where you are, and that's a choice. And it's also misleading because it feels like you didn't choose. Like, I'm still waffling. I'm still deciding. I'm still torn between the 5149. But if you're already in one of the options right now, then you you are choosing. You are choosing to stay in the relationship, in the city, in the house, in the job, in the friendship in the fertility scenario. So my final thought for today for us is, are you staying just so you don't have to choose? Because it's 5149, but you're not admitting that that is a choice, that you are choosing. 
if you are in New York City and you're choosing LA or London, then you're waiting to choose. You're sitting in New York right now and you're looking at option A to the left and option B to the right. But if you're in LA, choosing LA or London, well, you're choosing LA right now until you decide otherwise. And in that, is it getting unfair bonus points just because it's there and it's easy and it's what you know? Maybe London is more 60-40 or 70-30 than you realize. You just have to get there and go live it. Or maybe it's going to be a no. But you're never going to know until you get there. And until then, you're idealizing it and you're making it this like magical, mythical thing. Maybe I would be happier in London, but you never actually go. And so you're sitting in LA only 51% happy with LA. When actually, if you would just go to London for a year and see, yeah, we were miserable. Actually, now that I'm saying this, we had friends that moved to London and they were so excited about it and they they were really unhappy there, <laughs> um, which is not anything against London, but just these friends, that was one of their dreams. They did it for a year and they were not happy. So now that you've experienced London and you know it's not going to make you happy, and again, insert London with, you know, relationship, career, setting up boundaries in your family, I mean, a mil- million things could go, go into this. But now you know that London didn't feel good and it wasn't all it was cracked up to be. Now LA is the 90-10 you never knew that it could be because you explored that door. You were idealizing that, that London was a 49 for you and she was just a 10 this whole time. So you kept thinking, maybe there's more pros over there. And actually that experience can help you realize There are so many pros in London. I was downplaying it. I wasn't giving it enough credit. I actually am so grateful for this house that we are living in or this church that we are at, whatever it is that you are wondering because you explored that other door. So this game of playing with percentages of wondering, am I feeling 99-100 about something? Am I feeling 75-20? Am I feeling 51-49? Is so fun. It can also be terrifying. It can be illuminating and mind-bendy to play. But I hope that it helps you to decide, release, or feel more peace, even if that is with the lack of peace you feel, with a choice that is coming up soon. I'll see you back here next Wednesday with our third and final part on this series of how we make better choices with grace and gumption. Oh, wait. One more thing. Don't miss this. Before you go, love. P.S. Something I'm loving lately are my tennis shoes that I bought in April for our trip to Portugal. And this is comical to me for a couple of reasons. Number one, I have never been what you would call a sporty girl. So the idea that I would be excited about tennis shoes is a little bit comical. Also, I had very large calves when I was a young girl. I started doing point ballet class at a very young age. I was the tiniest one in the class. And that is a ton of calf work to get up and down on those point shoes. And so I had very large calves. And It's so fascinating, the stories that we tell ourselves about our bodies. Now, I think I would love those calves in the same way that I used to hate that I have a high forehead. Hate, guys. Like, I remember being a kid in, like, probably 
fifth grade, or probably around the same time as the point juice, having to slick back my hair for a dance number and like crying. I was so sad about it. I thought I looked so ugly because I had a huge forehead. This I remember this bothering me in college. Again, when I had to slick my hair back for a dance thing, never crosses my mind now. I never even think about having a big forehead. Um, I used to want to get a nose job in college. I thought my nose was too pointy at the end. Uh, Never, never occurs to me. So grateful that I didn't do that. So we have all of these old stories about our bodies and these things that we pick apart. And then we realize that they were just a story and they weren't based in need or reality when we outgrow them. And or or in this case, our bodies change and we look back and we're like, I mean, I would totally take those calves that I had. Like, but to the point that I remember in college, a guy came up to me in coffee bean. Let's talk about not, you know, unsolicited comments about women's body. He came up to me at the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf in Malibu and he was like, are you, I think he asked me if I was a female wrestler or something like that. And I was like, excuse me? And he was like, your calves are just huge. So I was like, okay, well, yeah, actually it's a body part that I have a complex about. I mean, I didn't say that, but in my head, I was just like wanting to die that I was like, I can't believe my calves are so huge. Someone's commenting. Now, if you saw photos of me, I guarantee you would be like, Mm, those just like like normal calves. Like, but you know, you just have one moment where someone says something. So because of that, I never liked to wear flat shoes, especially if they were bulky at all or tall at all, like a ballet flat maybe or loafer kind of thing. So a tennis shoe in general, I would have thought this is exacerbating. Like it's making the bottom part of my body look bigger. It's making my calf look so much bigger than my ankle. And I'm so grateful that, I mean, one, my body changed, but I think also I just started to be a lot less critical of my body. And I just try to pay attention every once in a while to like what people are wearing and get some new ideas. I'm not someone that shops very often. I don't, I'm not con- don't care about trends. I'm not looking to like change it up season to season. But every once in a while, I will just spend some time and kind of go look around at outfits of influencers and things like that and just be like, okay, is there anything that's shifted? Is there anything new that I might want to fold in? And Before we went to Portugal, I have no idea where I even got on the kick that I needed tennis shoes, but praise the Lord that I got them because if you ever go to Lisbon, my friends, it is the hilliest, most cobblestone street city you have ever been to. I've been to hilly places. I've been to cobblestone places to constantly be walking on an angle on not flat ground almost anywhere. You cannot wear anything other than tennis shoes. So I fit in perfectly over there and I started wearing like kind of chunky white tennis shoes with dresses. And I don't think I've ever done this in my life. And it sort of felt just so delightful to have like a whole new style thing to be able to wear and to play with that was like one $80 pair of white tennis shoes. But suddenly all of my outfits felt a little different and things that were fancier felt more casual and you know things that were more buttoned up, like my two-part fashion cocktail. I will put that link below if you haven't heard that episode where we talk about how we create balance in our outfits. And also, of course, I think... Post-pandemic, post-quarantine, so many women have been like, yeah, no more with the Spanx and the tight clothes and the like heels that I can't walk in. My body needs to be comfortable. And so they genuinely are more comfortable. And really, this is not necessarily to say that everybody needs to go run out and get a pair of tennis shoes. But I would say, number one, wear the things that feel most comfortable on your body. Yes, you want to feel beautiful, but how can we balance that, that if beautiful feels painful – then we want to get creative and expand our definition so that we can find beautiful that also feels comfortable. Number two, 
to release the ideas you have about your body and to be willing to look at it with fresh eyes and consider maybe that's not how my body is anymore. Maybe that thing that I was insecure about is actually in now in in bodies, in eyebrows, in, you know, whatever. And be willing to try new things on your body, which number three is also just trying new things in your style. Again, as you know, I do not shop often. I'm not constantly sharing links and saying that everybody should buy, but just realizing this one thing that I now have worn for months, six months, eight months, and so enjoyed having in my closet that it just took getting inspiration from other people to give me the idea. And this brought a little bit of joy into my really pretty much every season, into my spring and fall, certainly. And we will see, headed into winter, how she holds up. Maybe with some like thick wool socks over sweatpants, maybe, with a big wool jacket for like a Saturday morning walk to coffee kind of thing. We'll see. We'll see. I'm envisioning winter vibes and lots of hot cappuccinos in my life with my little Freddie Cappuccino, who we talked about last week. All right, my dear, I hope you have a beautiful week and I'll see you back here next Wednesday. You're welcome in advance. Till next Wednesday.